I heard a story recently, and I've shared this over and over this week with a lot of schools that I've been at and teams I've worked with, and, and so there's actually a few kids here that have heard this story already, but for the rest of you, I want to share this with you. Um, it's about a gentleman by the name of Dan Luckett. Now, a lot of you never heard of Dan Luckett. You have no idea who he is. But in 2008, as he was serving our country in Iraq, he was in his Humvee when he was struck by a missile, and he was injured. And he was more than injured. Actually, he lost his left leg and his right foot. He came home uh, as a double amputee. And most of us at that point in time were sitting there thinking, if that would happen to me, I just want to survive, right? But for Dan Luck, it was more than survive. It is, as we've said here at this church, it's about thriving, not just surviving. And so Dan Luckett, at this point in time, in 2008, as he's recovering from these injuries, he's given two prosthetics, and he says, I want to rejoin my brothers in arms. See, when you're part of a unit, you're a family, you're a community. And he wanted to be back with them. And so during this next year then, he was going to thrive. He actually ran a year later an eight-minute mile. A lot of us would love to run an eight-minute mile with two good legs, right? With the two prosthetics, he ran an eight-minute mile. He went back to Fort Campbell in Kentucky and went to his commanding officer and said, I want to join my unit again. Well, to do that, you're going to have to get your expert infantryman's badge. And to do that, you're going to have to run 12 miles under three hours with a 35-pound backpack on. So you can imagine strapping a 35-pound backpack on this morning, running to Pettisville and back, probably maybe a little bit further than that, and do it in less than three hours. Oh, by the way, with two prosthetics. And he did it. So the Army not only reinstated him, but they promoted him to captain. And in 2010, he went back to Afghanistan to fight for our nation. And to me, that's an amazing and inspiring thing. And I share that uh, as I talk to different teams and people about persevering and, and staying strong and not giving up. And people like that inspire me. But what inspires me more about that story is why he wanted to do it. He wanted to go back and be with his unit. Because those men that he served with we're family to him. Family's important, right? I can't remember Lilo and Stitch what they said, but family is what? Anybody want to finish that line for me? Family's important. As we read through the first parts of the Bible, we start seeing, is family matter in the Bible? Does community matter? Does fellowship, is there anything in the Bible about that? It's all over the place. And so this morning, I guess, as we are starting a new series, we want you to know what it means to be a part of True North Church. As we get ready to sign the covenant again and say, hey, I'm a member of this church, I want to be a part of this church, you better have a clear understanding of what it means to be a part of this church. People always say, well, I want to join a church, but what does it mean to be a part of the church? Well, every year we go through a sermon series to explain that, so we're starting that off again. And it's going to be similar, obviously, mission vision. That doesn't change. But... I'm going to explain it to you probably different than I did last year a little bit. And I want to start off by talking about what it means to belong to a community of believers, to a body of believers that come together as a congregation, as a family. So that's what we're focusing on this morning. I want you to clearly understand this. And as you read through the first four books of the New Testament that's called the Gospels, we have a clear picture of God's love for us. No doubt about it. If, if you're not seeing God's love for you, Let's start you back at Matthew and let's read it through again because God enters this world in flesh through Jesus Christ. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? Jesus Christ, he gave Jesus to us to express his love, to redeem his people, to save us, to show us how to live and to conquer sin and death and how to love. And it's through Christ we find our salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. So when there's other religions, and there's so many other religions and faiths out there, and we had a, a good discussion about the Islamic faith and just, you know, what, what, what do people believe? And it's, understand this, Jesus made it very clear. I'm the way. I'm the truth. Not a way, not a truth, not a life, but the, the, the. The only way. And that's through Jesus Christ. It's very clear. And it's not like us Christians are, are a bunch of proud and, and pompous people walking around like, we're better than us. We're just proclaiming truth. We stand on truth. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending his son, Jesus Christ, that while we were still sinning, he died for us. That's love. Romans 10.9-10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. It's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Romans 10, 9, 10, 13 says, For everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Paul concludes in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For it is by grace you're saved, through faith, not works. Otherwise, we'd boast about it. So Jesus comes to this earth to, to love us, to save us, and through faith, we change. And we're transformed. And we become victorious through Jesus Christ. And we've been preaching on that for about a month now. So hopefully that's clear. But as the Gospels come to an end, Luke says, I'm going to keep writing another book. That book is called Acts. So we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the first four books of the New Testament. Those are the Gospel stories about Jesus. And one of the authors, Luke, says, I've got another book I'm going to write. It's called Acts, the Acts of the Church. And as we look there, we see Jesus speaking to his disciples one last time before he ascends up into heaven. Now listen to the words of Jesus. He says this. Don't leave. He's talking to his disciples. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends a gift that he promised. God's good on his promises, right? As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be baptized with the Spirit of God. Jesus says, I I'm leaving now, but God's Spirit, God's very Spirit is going to come onto this earth and come upon those who believe and place their faith in Him. And it's starting with you all. So Jesus ascended into heaven, told His disciples that from now on the Holy Spirit's coming to all who believed. And as we read in the book of Acts, that very thing happened. Check it out in the book of Acts. God's Spirit descends, the church is started. Now, here is where it gets exciting because the early Christians formed a community. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 46. Why don't you turn there with me? Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 46. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let me hear you say Bible study. And to fellowship. Let me hear you say let's eat together. And the sharing of the meals, including the Lord's Supper. And to prayer. Let me hear you say pray. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, let me hear you say all the believers. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared money with those in need. 
They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in the homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Look at the person next to you and say, great joy and generosity. Tell them. Oh, yeah. These people were on fire, weren't they? I mean, they're just sharing things. They're selling things. What you got need? I got to hear this. Give it to you, right? They gathered and they devoted themselves to studying the apostles' teachings. For us, that would be the Word of God. Because the Word of God hadn't been printed at that point in time, the apostles were sharing these stories of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. And they were students of God's Word in the Old Testament. And they fellowshiped. They hung out with each other. They gathered together to share meals. They shared their belongings. They prayed with each other. They sang with each other. They cried with each other. They laughed with each other. Someone had a need. Someone else filled it. See a need, fill a need, right? There was incredible joy and generosity. This church was awesome. You know, every time I hear people talk about it, it's like, man, I wish we'd be like the Acts church. Man, they were so, did you see what they are doing? That would have been great to be a part of that church, right? They were great buddies. They were friends. They shared. They loved like never before. The perfect church, right? And, and we read that passage and we say, why can't we be like them? They're like the perfect community of God's people getting together. Let's read on in Acts 4. Acts chapter 4. Look at verse 32. Acts 4.32 says this. All the believers, let me hear you say all the believers. Here they are. They all are again. They all come together. They were united in heart and mind. They felt what they owned was not their own. Oh, wait, let's back up. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them. Did you read that? Nobody need. Nobody had a need. Because the reason why, see a need, fill a need, right? Because those who own lands or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give it to those in need. Man, this early church was kicking it, weren't they? They were excited. They were pumped. They were just fired up. They were like doing all that they could. They were like the perfect church, right? Let me hear you say not so fast. Mm, yeah, not so fast. You know, we're always quick to pull out that scripture and say, this is what the church is supposed to be like. Come on, church. Let's be an Acts 2 church. Let's be an Acts 4 church. Let's get it together. Come on. Let's start giving. See a need. Feel a need. You know, a lot of great bumper stickers come out of this scripture, right? But before we brag and boast and pastors guilt the church into feeling like they should be this way, let's get a few things straight. They weren't perfect. I hate to tell you this, but they weren't perfect. They are still human beings, okay? If you read on in Acts, we learn a few things about their humanity. They made mistakes. Paul says in Romans 3.10, what? As it is written, there's no one righteous. No, not one. Romans 3.23 says what? For all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Paul told us that, right? And even in the perfect church setting, guess what? Even here this morning, in the perfect church setting where we can sing and we can read and we can pray. There's imperfection here. It's just the way it is. It was still filled with people who fall short of God's glory. You know, people say, I don't want to go to church because it's filled with hypocrites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And? I'm sorry, there's no perfect place on this planet that you're going to find a place to worship God. One day we will have that perfect place. It's called heaven. And until then, we're stuck on earth in an imperfect world with imperfect people, but we're worshiping a perfect God. We're striving to be holy. We are. But for people who bounce from 
church to church, or they come into a church and say, I'm looking for that perfect church. Well, there's the door. You might want to keep going because this is really a bunch of imperfect people filled with messy lives, but we're striving to worship a perfect and holy God, are we not? We read in Acts 6, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. What? They were unhappy? Oh, yeah. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, whew, saying that their riddles were discriminated. They weren't getting the right daily distribution of food. We better do something about this. Ananias and Sapphira. Oh, yes, we're going to sell our stuff and give it to God. Are you giving it all to God? Yes. Not really. We're going to pocket some of it, right? And what happened? Boom, they died on the spot. Oh, they lied? Yeah. We discovered that there was sin still in the church, that there was opposition from religious leaders coming in, and that there was discontent. This church wasn't perfect. So I just want to remind you, Awesome is looking at those verses saying, man, the perfect church, let's be that. I want, I want to remind you, they weren't perfect, okay? Here's the second thing. This early picture of the church was not a cookie-cutter replica of what we're supposed to mimic. A lot of people are like, hey, we're commanded to be a church like this. It's not a command. just want to make sure you understand that, okay? But we hear a lot of people say that. We need to look exactly like them. No, we do not. Now, don't get me wrong on this, okay? You say, oh, he's preaching heresy and he's getting crazy on us. Listen. We're not commanded to be the first church. We are not commanded to be the Acts 2 church. We're commanded to be obedient to our Heavenly Father. And as a result of being obedient to our Heavenly Father and His Spirit working through us, we will be like that first church, but we're not going to look exactly like them. You hear what I'm saying? So a lot of people, again, pull out the Scripture and say, this is what exactly we need to look like. No, our lives should be so saturated with God's Spirit and so obedient that we're going to be fruitful in our faith, and we're going to look sort of like that church, but not exactly like it. Culture changes. We are going to still hopefully see needs and fill needs. We're going to be gathering together to pray and worship, to sing and sharing the meals and breaking bread together. But it's not going to look exactly like that church. When the church is transformed and we're working in unity, living as a spirit-filled community, we will display similar things that Acts 2 church, but we will never be like them. I think that's a mistake a lot of times. We always want to look like somebody else instead of being what God's called us to be and become. This is a great picture of community. I love it. But it's not the first time in the Bible we hear about how the church should look or function. Back up into the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to look for a church, you'd look for what would be called the community. So look for the word community in the Old Testament. And the community worshiped together. And a matter of fact, if you sinned, you were cut off from the community. You weren't allowed to go into the temple. Improper worship cut you off from the community. The Ten Commandments were given to a community. As a community, people complained to God and leaders, and as a community, people worshiped God. There's 129 references to community in the Old Testament, and it was important and special to be part of a community, community to be part of a network, to be part of a family. You know, I think about we had discussions like with different sports teams and, and you know, when you play a team maybe from a bigger city or maybe a um, um, different school where it's not like a small community. You can tell. You can go to a ball game around here on a Friday night and you'll see people sitting in the stands. They don't have kids playing. Why are they there? Because they belong to a community and they want to come and be a part of community. You're not going to see that at other places. It's an amazing thing, you know. Small towns are small towns, but there's something special about them. Why is that? It's a community. 
have a benefit to help a family because of funeral costs, that's community. You don't see that everywhere. So it's special when you see it. Matter of fact, community is defined as a congregation, a swarm, a gathering, if you want to define it. And I was checking this out because I find it interesting. I've shared this with you before. I'm going to repeat myself. So don't sit there and say, he's losing it. Here comes that story again. I'm just practicing for when I become a grandpa way down the road. <laughs> way down the road, okay? Um, when you take animals and you put them into groups, remember we did this before, okay? They are given a new classification name. You take cows, put them in a group, they're called a herd. You take fish, put them into a group, they're called a school. You take whales, you put them in a group, they're called a pod. You take lions, you put them in a group, they're called a pride. You're awesome, okay? Now let's get really tough on this because these are something you've never heard before, okay? A, a flock, I'm going to say a flock of crows. A group of crows are actually called murderers. Oof, okay? Uh, that's why people don't like crows, right? Bats are called a cloud, okay? Beavers are called a family. Cats, I love this, are called a nuisance. That's why you don't have them. <laughs> get rid of them, okay? Cockroaches are an intrusion, Monkeys are a barrel or a car load. So next time you see a group of teenagers in a car, hey, look at those monkeys. You're okay with saying that? No, you're not. Uh, it actually has to be real monkeys to call them a car load. Following me on that? That's okay. Um, giraffes. Anybody know what giraffes are called? Some of you know because you've heard it before. Are called a what? Tower. I thought I'd share this with you. Come on. See, that was really effective the last time I shared it. Okay? <laughs> Rhinos, you're going to get this because this is my favorite and I shared this. I know. Rhinos are called a what? crash. Oh my goodness, people. Well, at least you're memorizing scripture. That's what counts, so we'll go with that one, okay? Uh, and the reason is because rhinos can only see 10 yards in front of them. After that, it's a blur, and they can, they can run at 30 miles per hour. So can you imagine charging 30 miles per hour, only being able to see 10 yards in front of you? Foggy day, northwest Ohio, right? Okay? That's why they're called a crash, a group of them. It's an amazing thing. But yet they charge forward. That was my message. Who knows when it was? That as Christians, even though we can't see what tomorrow holds, we still got to charge forward in life. That's why I like the rhino, okay? Uh, where is this going? I don't know. Oh, because, okay, I just talked about animals. Say, let's kill some time. Okay, it's hot in here, so let's talk animals. Okay. Um, the reason I bring this up is because I said about congregation. Okay, this is, this is incredible. Um, when I was down in uh, Florida last May for some training, we went to a place called Gatorland, okay? And it's an amazing place. I would never pay to go to Gatorland, but they took us there as a group, and I thought, from now on, I would pay to go to Gatorland after being there. And we went in, and there's gators, obviously, all over the place. You can wrestle a gator. I got to wrestle one. I didn't actually wrestle. I just sat on top of it and held him. I tried to cover the part where they duct taped his jaw shut so that nobody could see that it wasn't really going to bite me, okay? Um, but I looked around him, and then it got dark, and they said, okay, we're going to walk these planks, uh, this trail, back to where we can feed the gators. Cool. And, and they... It was really great because we started, they had buckets of hot dogs, and we, they gave us all flashlights. And they said, first of all, don't make a lot of noise because there's thousands of birds in these trees. If you scare them, they'll all drop on you. Not the birds, but you know what, okay? And, um, and the hot dogs, don't eat them because they're not real hot dogs. They're a different kind of hot dog. And, of course, the people in the back couldn't hear, so what were we, what were we telling them? Eat the hot dogs and make noise, okay? So we move forward, and we're getting along, and we, we're looking around, and every now and then say, hey, look over the edge here. We flash the spotlight, and there's a gator. Ooh, he's big. And we keep walking, keep walking. We get out to this big open area of this uh, lake slash pond. Okay, I can't call it a pond because it was huge. Um, and we all sort of took around steps, and we just took a piece of hot dog and 
Okay, so just a second, let me throw a couple out there and you get a little splash. And then next thing you know, you just sort of sense something was happening. And he said, take your flashlights and sort of shine them out on the lake. And we looked and you saw all these beady eyes all over. Hundreds of gators were coming in. And we were like tossing hot dogs and they're rolling and stepping in. We're like, this is awesome. And of course, I'm sitting there as we're throwing them and feeding these gators. I'm sitting there thinking, how sturdy is this raft? Because this is a wooden raft that's out over above the water so that, you know, they can come in on all sides wherever we were to throw to them. That's going in my mind, okay? But still enjoying. And then, you know, there were some that were 10, 12, 15 feet in length. They were big gators. They were dangerous. Obviously, right? You know what a group of gators are called? A congregation. Isn't that scary? How's the church congregation today? Oh, snapping away as always. Um, but church congregations, I was thinking about this so, as dangerous, a gator by himself, okay, you might, want to, you might be able to wrestle him if you're a gator boy, okay? But a group of gators coming together are very dangerous. And I was thinking about this. A Christian by himself, the enemy can take out. But a group of Christians coming together can stand up against the spiritual opposition that we face on a daily basis. A group, a congregation of spiritual believers can be very dangerous to the devil. And I love that. Because this morning as I stand here to feed you God's word, you can be very dangerous against our spiritual opponent if only we understood that. I'm telling you right now, we can be. We can be very victorious. All that being said, let's get back to the God's word. Um, as, as church congregations gathered to share, to pray, to read Scripture, to share in something. Listen, I'm a believer in Christ, and when I'm gathering with you and you're gathering with others, there is momentum there. There's a congregation of people that we see that is being played out biblically thousands of years ago, and now we're doing this. When we move into New Testament, that word fellowship is used to describe community. And our church is a community. We are a group of common people coming together with a common goal. We're, you know, we're living life together. And our leadership, you know, I shared this with some of our leaders, our leadership spent time, we took a day out and did a retreat, praying and discussing the direction of this church. We want to be very biblical in how we lead this church. We want to lead like Jesus, no doubt about it. And we want our church, which is a community, to be challenged this year. And one word kept coming out as we were talking. We said, this is our word for 2015 for this church, and that is belong belong. We want to be intentional about making feel people like they belong to a community, to a church family. Why did Dan Luckett so badly want to go back and serve in, the, in a war? Because he, wanted to, he felt like he belonged to a group of men that made him family. Why do we sometimes, and I don't feel like going to church, why do we yet I come back? Because I know it's the right thing to do to worship God, but also I know I need to surround myself with church family with others in this community. And we understand that a church should be a place where people believe and belong and become something in the name of Jesus Christ, but we want everyone to be all in in what they believe and how they live it out, but that's not going to happen unless you belong to this place. We belong to a, a bigger picture, obviously, with the church, okay? But then we also belong to a church family. And we want to challenge each and every one of you here 
to intentionally be part of the church family and help others engage in this ministry too. We're a group of people with a common goal, unified by God's Spirit. And when you look at the word community, if you were to picture, okay, C-O-M-M, then just picture a big U right in the middle, okay? Then N-I-T-Y. You look at that word, and actually uh, a couple things should stick out, at least they did with me. First thing is I, I saw a separation of two words. The first part of, of com, C-O-M-M, in Latin uh, means a common thing. And then I look at the last part, I see unity. It's common people. It's something they have in common, right? And, and it brings us together under one house. And I was thinking that's the first thing I saw. And then I looked at it, and I, I'm sort of weird this way, but there's four letters and four letters in the middle letters, U. And I was thinking about this. What I see is, again, is that U being the connection to those two words, that Latin word and, and that part of unity. But I'm seeing that U sort of bring those together. Again, don't try to figure it out. That's just the way my brain works, okay? So I sort of see, who is that you? It's God. Because when I pray, I say, God, I need you. You are the one that needs to give me strength. God, I need you to help me with this. God, I need you in my life. And it is Jesus Christ who comes and brings us together. People who have stuff in common and want to find unity, it's God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and His Spirit who unites us in that. Like I said, I, you know, I'm not trying to stretch this out, but I, as, I, as I was looking through this, man, God's the one that I cry out to. I saw a video. We're going to show this video here in a second. And, and this may help you understand what I'm trying to bring out here. Because in the community, there's no way that we can do this on our own. And we have to call for somebody to help us, to walk with us, to be with us, to unite us and hold us together. There, I see a lot of teams that are not teams. They might wear the same jersey. They might go to the same school. I see a lot of people who claim to be families, but they're not. They're just sort of faking it because they don't have that common something that just sort of binds them together. You know what we have that binds us together as a church, as a family? That's Jesus Christ. Okay? Let's, let's show this video and see if that brings a little sense. That's my picture of community. That's my picture of a church family. That's my picture of family. You know, in our struggles, you know, we, we often come apart. And in our loss, we often feel despair and alone, you know. And, and we separate ourselves and, and, and we ask why, right? And it's like, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to be. And it's like, let me just say this, don't. Okay, don't. God's Spirit is with you. And He brings us together. Our common belief together, unified as one body. He is with us. He binds us together. And when you're hurting and when you're celebrating, you know, the opposite ends of the spectrum, it's better as a community of believers because we belong together in Him. Jesus Christ is that glue that binds these two objects together. The truth, the way, the life. That truth, that way, that life holds us together. As a congregation, as a community, guess what? We have an identity. We have an identity. There are certain things that people will look at the church and expect, right? They always look at the church. The church should be like this, and the church should be like that, and the church should be like this. Okay, right? I get that. And there are certain things that I think we should expect out of this community of believers right here. And I'm going to give you just three of them, okay, as we wrap this up. Here's, here's the thing. In spite of our, the struggles we face, 
the despair we have, the opposition to pain, in the end, in the end, there should be joy, there should be worship, and there should be hope. There should be joy, worship, and hope. Yeah, joy. I mean, that internal exhilaration that's based on truth that spills out. Regardless of my circumstances around me that emotionally play on my happiness, okay? It's joy inside that is exhilarated, that's based on truth, that spills out. And when we gather as a church, we look at each other with, we should, we should look at each other with awe. We walk in and say, God saved us. God's, when we walk in, that should be the first thought. God saved us. We get to come together today because God saved us. I was destined for hell. You think it's hot in here? Okay. It's worse, okay? God saved us from that. He loves us so much. He goes, I'm sending my very son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. Have you ever had anybody die for you before? Well, I guess no. If you have, then you know exactly, at least you can relate more so to what Jesus did for you because you have experienced it, right? We're saved. We have an eternal home in heaven being prepared for us beyond our imagination, the very presence of God. As I was driving home last night from Indiana, I was thinking about this a lot, that my dad is getting prepared for an awesome place. And as, as emotional as a roller coaster I can be on at times right now, I stopped and said, stop feeling sorry for yourself because he's going to get something awesome. He gets to go to heaven sooner than a lot of us, you know? And for those that have already gone to heaven, they're there. They're walking with Moses and Paul and Esther. They're walking with Jesus in the presence of God, the most incredible destination ever. We get pumped about a vacation, right? And we can't wait to prepare. We got the most incredible place ahead of us. There should be joy in us realizing, and, and understand, the emotion's going to be all over. There's going to be some sorrow and some pain. I get that because I feel it, okay? But there should also be joy. There should be joy. What an incredible thing we have to look forward to. Worship, that's part of our identity. I know that when a college football team wins over at Defiance College, what they'll do is after they win, they go over to the, uh, the end zone, they'll meet with the coach, coach talks to them, and then they, they go over to the stands where their parents and other fans are, and they sing the fight song. They're all pumped up. They tear their helmets off, and they give their allegiance to their school and their song, and they sing it out loud, and they're excited, right? Because in joy and in celebration, they are, there's, it's, like a, it's like a moment of worship, right? And that's what we do when we come here. It's like we take off that gear that we've been fighting all week in opposition against the devil. And we come in here and we're like, let's sing it to God. Let's sing it to God. Even if we weren't victorious, we're still going to gather with the coach. And we're still going to, you know, let's, let's keep our heads up, right? But when we have victory, we should gather together and our voices raise. We sing to God we worship as a church, as a community. There should be joy, there should be worship, and there should be hope. And this is the one I struggle with, okay? And I'll tell you why. I was at a basketball game, and, I, and you've heard that cheer? I believe. I believe that. I believe that we. I believe that we will win. You know, I'm not going to do the whole thing. But, I, you know, and it's like they keep going, and the student section starts getting, and they start bouncing up and on. I believe that we will win. They get all crazy, right? Okay, Janet, you want to do it for me? No? Okay, all right. Just I've seen you do it before. You do good, John. Okay. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of kids doing it, and, and here's the deal, Okay. So this was happening, I believe, it was at the Wauseon game, okay? And I was sitting there, and there's, I remember there was about four or five minutes left in the game, and the student section started doing that cheer. And I was like, oh. Jenny's like, what's wrong? I, said, I wish they wouldn't do that cheer, okay? Why? Because I'm, you know, a pastor party pooper, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> 
but I'm sitting there going, because there's still four or five minutes, you never know, they might come back. I mean, I'm, I'm a little nervous. You might, don't, don't get all cocky on the team now, okay? You know, I'm just thinking, stop cheering that chair. Just wait until there's a little bit more, less time left, and it's a for sure win, okay? Then do the cheer. And she looked at me like, you're an idiot. <laughs> Let them have fun. Let them cheer. They believe. It's, it's a good thing. And I was like, okay. Okay, and then I thought about it, because then a week earlier, I was at another basketball game, and in that student section, okay, with about six seconds left in the game, they're winning by like double digits, 20 points, I don't know. They started the cheer. And what was my reaction? Duh. You got five seconds, four seconds, and you're starting the cheer now? You're up by 20. Well, last shot doesn't, isn't worth 25 points, so. And it's like, yeah, you're going you're to win. And then I'm saying, no, wait a minute. Who had more hope? Who had more faith? The student section that started cheering with four or five minutes left. The student section that was cheering before the game ever started. I believe we're going to win. You haven't even played yet. I know, but I believe we're going to win. That's hope. That's what the church should have. We're going to be okay. We must be intentional about knowing what we believe and expressing that belief together as a community, as a church. I want to challenge us as a church. I really want us to feel like we belong to a family. So let's start expressing that with joy and worship and hope. There's going to be more we're going to talk about this, and I'm excited about it because there are some things that just could really sink what's going on, and we're going to be aware of that. Okay, I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward, and we're going to close with a song of, of worship. And uh, how, how can we be this community, this family? How can we belong? Let's back it up. Because of what we talked about a month ago, it's because of what we believe. Because of our faith, what we believe in Jesus Christ, we can know the truth that we belong to something incredible. Would you please stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an awesome God. Lord, sometimes we look at that first church in the book of Acts and we sit there and we go, wow, we could just be like them. And, but God, you didn't call us to be exactly like them. But you did call us to be obedient, to know you, to know your word, and to let your spirit dwell us and change us and transform us. When that happens, we're going to be something like that. But as a group of people with something in common, that is you. You bind us together. In truth, we're now a family. We're a community a congregation that can be dangerous to our opponent, the devil. So Lord, as we gather as a community, as we want to be here with joy and to worship you and hope, there's so much more, but Lord, those, things, those three things just really just jump out of me right now. That's the kind of church we need to be. Lord, we want to know that we belong to this church. So Lord, I pray as a church, First of all, that we have placed our faith in you, that we belong to your family, first of all. And Lord, then the second thing for us in this room that say, I've already placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Well, then, Lord, our next thing is then to make sure that people who walk into this, into this church feel like they belong to a church family. Even when we don't feel like it, Lord, we have to be intentional about reaching out, expressing some joy and some hope some worship. And Lord, in the midst of that, we probably got to pray for one another and lift each other up in sorrowful times. Lord, we love you. And we want to just sing this song to you now, Lord. 
Lord, accept our worship as we give it to you. In the name we pray, amen.